Welcome in, everybody, to this week's episode of Lucky Underdogs. I'm Joe DeLeon, the producer of the show. And today, we're going to be filling in. We are the first team, Joe DeLeon, Ryan Roberts, the NFL Draft Show on the Believe Network. We're doing a couple fill-ins throughout this uh, offseason for the NFL and college football, giving you a glimpse into the 2024 NFL Draft. So many more of these to come throughout the cycle. But today, we're going to be talking about the top 2024 NFL Draft prospects Coming out of the University of Notre Dame, this is a particularly uh, talented group. One guy, which we all know, Joe Alt, who is at the top of this group, as well as some other players who could be key quality starters in the NFL that are going to be taken on day two and day three of the 2024 NFL Draft. If you would like to, make sure to check out the First Team podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us by just going to Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. Ryan, let's get into talking about this talented group of Notre Dame players. Now, you have the opportunity, obviously, to watch a lot of these guys closely. You being a recruiting analyst uh, covering Notre Dame football, we just recorded our tackle show that we did talking about Joe Alt, who, without a doubt, is the number one tackle in this class. There is no debate. There shouldn't be any debate. We shouldn't overthink this was the, you know, the, the big focus for what we talked about. Not taking that angle so much, but why is... A guy like Joe Alt at six foot eight, three hundred twenty plus pounds, the solidified top tackle in this class. Because the film's the best. I mean, I mean that's that's the that's the main conversation, right? Is that when you're comparing him to Olu Fashanu from Penn State, when you're talking about Talise Fuaga from Oregon State, talking about JC Latham from Alabama. I mean, there's it's a talented offensive line class. I mean, I think it, offensive tackle group, I should say. I mean, there's a. I mean, Joe, we've we've been kind of gushing over this group for months now, right? I mean, this offensive tackle group is arguably the strongest in the 2024 NFL draft. Why Joe Alt is at the top for me and for a lot of people is because he just, he checks so many boxes that you're kind of running out of things to really nitpick of him, right? It's just a very, very short list of things that you would like to improve and it would be nice to improve, but it's not a necessity to improve necessarily. He's 6'8". He's 322 pounds. He's got great length. So size profile, he's going to fit everything. Former high school tight end. Father was a very good offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs. Is in the ring of honor. John Olt, who played offensive line in the NFL. So he has the NFL bloodlines as well. He also coached under Harry Heastan for a year. He has the Notre Dame seal of approval as far as offensive linemen. The one of, arguably the top program when you're talking about developing offensive linemen, especially over the last 15-ish years what Harry Heaston was able to start here at Notre Dame. So I think when you kind of put all those things together, you have a clean evaluation. Like there's just not a lot to poke holes in. He's also super young, so developmental upside is still there. Would you like him to get a little bit more core strength? Sure. Would you like him to be more consistently dominant in the run game in his first punch? Sure. But when you're talking about what you want in a all-pro, Pro Bowl-level offensive tackle, left tackle next level, a blindside protector, Joe Holt has everything that you want in order to man down the left side of an offensive line for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, and I actually think that there's a strong capability a guy like Joe Holt could end up being a, a, a target for a team to trade up for. I know that there's a lot of really good tackles in this class, but I think there's a capability for a desperate team. I I, I don't want to really totally phrase it as desperate, but a team that's really needy of shoring up that position and no longer yep. wanting to take any shots on any of these other players and not just get a good starter and a high-level starter, but to get 
that situation figured out, as you talked about, for the next 10 plus years, a guy who's going to stick around and be the premier player along that offensive line, it does get a little bit wonky when we're looking at the top 10 of the draft order because there's potential for some trade ups to go get Drake May, to go get Jane Daniels, and heck, maybe there's a a desire to trade up and and go get Bo Nix because that fourth team doesn't want to get stuck with the other scary options. But Joe Walt. I would be really stunned if he ends up falling outside of the top five. I think I mocked him in my last mock draft falling a little bit outside because of, you know, some possible, um, you know, indirect impacts of those trades. But this guy does have to be a a top five pick like a lot of his predecessors before him that were left and right tackles for Notre Dame. Well, it's obviously you talk about three quarterbacks right at the top. You're going to talk about a couple of wide receivers that might be in contention as well, along with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors out of LSU. But I, I would I would phrase him as a top seven slam dunk, in my opinion, because I think the seventh overall selection is the Tennessee Titans. And I think if he lands Tennessee, that's kind of where a slide ends. I, I really think that he's that type of high level player because I think that the demand is going to be so high too, Joe, because we talked about, you know, the kind of where we see these players in the class. And I mentioned a lot of great players like Fashanu and Talise Fuwaga and JC Latham. And, but I think that the thing that all ends Olu have in their, in their, to their advantage is that they're both true left tackles at the next level, right? The, the other guys, JC Latham, um, Darius Mims and Talise Fuwaga, they are right tackles. They That's the only position they've played in college. So mm. although one or two of them might be able to project at left tackle in the next level, they're not foregone conclusions. I mean, you still ha- are looking at Joe Walt and Oliver Shano as the only two guys that you know for sure are left tackles on the next level. So that demand, I think, will obviously be there for a player like all. Now, the Senior Bowl just wrapped up this past weekend uh, when you're tuning into the show. Two guys had quality weeks one had a much better week than the other talking about cam hart the cornerback and maris loyfow the linebacker cam hart to me man like really reassured where he's going to fit in this class i think that there's a ridiculous amount of talented corners like i think right now i've got some insane number and you and i were talking about this i have like a, a ridiculous number of corners with top 50 grades right now i've got i've got nine guys that i would have i would take uh, somewhere the middle of the second round to the middle of the first round. There's just so many good players in this corner class. So a guy like Cam Hart could be a casualty of this and ends up going somewhere later on day two, early on day three. But he is yep. a long, tall corner that is just really strong and I think is going to translate well as a really good zone corner. I had thrown out this on our show. He reminds me a lot of James Bradbury. And I think that he is going to be somebody who gets taken early day three and then Two years from now, he works his way into the starting lineup, and we're just like, wow, Kim Hart's a really good starting outside corner. He's doing a really good job playing in the zone-specific scheme. Just depends on if he lands in that right situation. Yeah, I, I think for me, he is he's a little bit of a he's a wild card in this class, Joe, because I think that his talent level could be seen somewhere on day two. And again, you mentioned it already, but six, six, two, and seven eighths, so right around six foot three. 204 pounds, 32 and 5 eighth inch arms. This kid looks the part. And I was told that he's going to test really well. I expect him running 4-4 high at the Combine in Indianapolis. So I think that he's going to test exceptionally well for his size. The thing that has been the inconsistencies with Cam Hart on the field are producing turnovers, ball skills more than anything, Mm -hmm. 
He's a little bit tight with some transitions because he's a longer corner. But the thing that is going to make or break his valuation is the injuries. He's had multiple shoulder injuries to his to his um, in his backgrounds. What are those medicals going to look like? But I think that he goes third, fourth round, and I do think he has starter upside because just don't see a lot of corners that look like him, man. Like there's just not a lot of guys that are right around six foot three, two hundred plus that can run four four high. He's got a really nice starter level profile to him on the next level. Loy Fow, a little bit less of a, sh- not like a sure thing, but I, you could actually make some comparisons to their draft projection and just the general feel for them as a prospect because, like, you got all these really good physical tools, but there's a couple areas where it doesn't really hit, it doesn't right. really come together that is going to hinder where they get selected. And you had said this, and I think it's a really good point with the Maris Loy foul, six foot two, 239 pounds, has a vastly volatile draft projection because he's either good enough for a team to be like, this kid's long, he moves really well, he can impact the catch point, he could be a really good uh, coverage player if we get him right. That could happen, and he could go somewhere in the second round when there's not a lot of linebackers to pull from, or a lot of teams could get scared away and he could get end up getting drafted middle to the end of day three. There is such a wide yeah. net uh, for a guy like Meredith Slofow. I mean, I'm also going to add this into the fact we, we, we're going to bring up J.D. Bertrand. Might as well bring him up now. I would argue that there's a possibility that if the bad aspect of things in this pendulum of his draft projection happens, J.D. Bertrand could somehow end up going before him, again, because of this lack of talent in the linebacker class. Maybe a team just wants to go with a guy who they know is a little bit more well-rounded and is going to be yep. a good special teams player if they're just looking for depth and don't want to invest in a project. They are such different players, which is absolutely hilarious to kind of put them side by side, Joe. This, this is how I would portray Marist. And you mentioned it already a little bit, but there are some games in Marist Loyfell's career over the last two years where you're like, dude, that kid's an NFLer. Like, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he is 6'2, 239 with 39 inch arms, a 79 inch wingspan. Such a unique football player because when he's at his best, he can blitz, he can play in coverage. He's a run and chase linebacker that's probably going to run at least in the four sixes at the combine. Like, this kid can move, man. He's a really talented athlete. I had a scout I was texting, compare him to Frankie Louvu the other day, the Carolina Panther linebacker who. Yeah. Kind of a Swiss Army knife. Not really a, is he a Mike? Is he a Will? Is he a Sam? It's like uh, anywhere. You know, like he kind of moves around a little bit and does a little bit of everything. But then there's other games in Maris's career where you're just like, bro. <laughs> like, where are you one, going? <laughs> one, well, there, there's actually two different Maris Loyfels of the bad version. One is you just don't notice him all day. Where it's just like, all right. And then there's other one where it's, second and goal from the four where it's an inside zone run and Maris is dropping into his pass coverage where you're just like Maris, what are you looking at, bro? Like I have no idea what you're actually looking at. So this is a young man who athletically has everything you need. Good frame, athletic, versatile, can do a little bit of everything. But then he also is a player that has struggled with processing things in front of him. He's in the wrong gap way too often. He's out of the play way too often, and it's his own undoing. If you could get just a good version of Maris Loifau, then you have a starter in the NFL. You have a starter, there's no doubt. But unfortunately, you get the bad version way too often, and volatility is a scary thing, especially for NFL yeah. teams. 
that are trying to find players to invest a lot of money into. You don't want volatility. You want a guy that you know is going to be a good football player. And Maris might be that, or he might be a guy that never cracks the lineup and maybe he's just a special teamer because you just can't depend on him being in the right spot, which is the complete opposite to what J.D. Bertrand is. Complete opposite. J.D., snap to snap, is always going to be in the right spot all the time. He was lauded during his Notre Dame career for getting guys in the right position, being that pre-snap player to be able to help set a defense up and being a good processor. He's always in the right spot. The problem is, and I just think he's pretty good in a straight line. Like I actually think that I, I think JD's actually going to run a pretty good 40, but the problem is, is that he has no length. I mean, he's got 30 and a half inch arms, shorter wingspan. He's going to miss tackles. He just is Joe. Despite him being a he pretty can't accelerate athlete. at all yeah. too. That's the, that's the big thing for me. We saw that at the senior bowl. There's no turning and running. With. No, no. He's chasing. <laughs> cause, cause he's six one, a little bit sawed off 235 pounds. He's tight. He's not going to be a guy that's ever going to impact pass coverage. And he's going to be a guy that's going to miss tackles occasionally because he just has a smaller tackle radius. So, but he'll be in the right spot. He'll help get guys set up. He'll make the plays that are in front of him and the guy and the plays that usually are B gap to B gap or even C gap to C gap at times. But when he's forced into space, that length really shows up. So that's where the, the troubling part of him is going to be is that he's a pretty dependable football player, but then he'll miss a tackle occasionally in space where you're just like, uh, like that's, that's tough. That's a tough sell in the next level. Yeah, I I understand that the JD Bertrand's like a late day three guy. I think the lack of linebacker talent might actually help him. Whoever oh, his yeah. agent is probably is excited about that. But the the thing that you're talking about there, with especially on the defensive side of the football, volatility is a bad thing. And a lot of times when we get to day three, yes, teams are going to take those shots on high upside players. But at the same time, they want to fill out the rest of the roster. With guys that they know are going to show up and do the same things every single week, okay. that when the starting Mike linebacker goes down, that they can call JD onto the field and he could be the personal protector and run down on kickoff. And I, I think that that's where uh, a role like JD Bertrand uh, ends up yeah. working. Out. Who was that that Clemson linebacker who ben was Bowler. stiff as all hell? James Stalski. James one of them. <laughs> are you talking about recently? <laughs> yes. or are you talking Both. about? But, ben, but you know the type yeah. that I'm talking about. They both just were stiff as a board and not really <laughs> super bursty. But how how dare really you insult James Skalski like that, man? How dare you insult James Skalski like that? It's insane. Or there, what was the Temple kid that was on the Steelers for like ten Ty, minutes? Ty, Tyler Medikevich. Tyler Medikevich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that yeah. type of linebacker. The, the, yeah. Those are the easiest comps to make. The kids who can't can't move who played in the middle. Uh, but we appreciate uh, JD though. We're gonna be. Uh, rooting for him. Audric Estime, the yes. star running back for Notre Dame this year. It, it stinks that uh, he's going to be going, but a lot of question marks in this running back class. And you and I had talked about this already a little bit on separate occasions and in some scouting meetings for RPM, who uh, we work for. He is going to work well, I think, in this class because there's a number of gadget players. And I also look at a guy like Braylon Allen, who isn't super bursty, but just like a big dump truck. Instead of going after a Braylon Allen, I think some teams are going to look at Nodrick Estime and think maybe this isn't a down-to-down rep, you know, every single play guy because the modern NFL doesn't really call for it. Yep. But if I could call on Audric Estime in short yardage situations, if I can call him on first down to come in and block, 
he's exactly what you need. He is the good counter for a lot of teams that have those scat backs that need the bowling ball. And that's exactly Audrey Estime. You ready for my comp for Audrey Estime? Been holding this one back, man. Are you ready for this? Oh, man. Uh-oh. Jonathan Stewart. Jonathan Stewart. Gives me Jonathan Stewart. Oh, I believe host Jonathan Stewart. Oh, really? He's a host on Believe, really? <laughs> no yeah, idea. he's a Believe Panthers host, yeah. Oh, okay, there you go. Well, I, I think that Audric brings a similar profile to what Jonathan Taylor, um, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Stewart did, because <laughs> he is a densely put-together kid, man, like just absolute muscled up. I mean, Audric is going to be probably in the six-foot-plus range and about 230 pounds, but he is going to look like an absolute Hercules on the field, man, like mm. absolutely densely Damn, put together. Damn, he ran a four-four-six. Yeah. Well, here's my claim, Joe. Here's where I was going with that, though, is that mm-hmm. Jonathan Stewart was never a good change of direction guy. I think that Maris, uh, Marist, uh, I, I think that Audric is pretty decent change of direction, has really good vision for the most part. But I think that when he gets rolling, when he gets a gap and is able to, I remember the game this year against NC States coming out of the delay where he burst that 80 yard touchdown run. When he gets rolling, man, Maris can run. Like he is pretty fast. I would not be shocked if he runs four or five flattish in the 40 yard dash because he can get going and get moving. And he's a physically imposing kid. He, I mean, he had a great year for Notre Dame this year, like absolutely tremendous year. So I love, I love Audrey Gestime. I think that he has a chance to go on day two somewhere. And I think that he has a chance to being a starting running back in a two, mm. two back approach on the next level. I think he has a type of upside to him. We just dropped our offensive tackle list. Uh, Joe Walt was number one, and you did not have Blake Fisher in your top 10. I somehow snuck him into my top 10. I I think for him, he actually might be one of those guys that does bump inside to guard and actually might not be a bad guard in the NFL. Yeah. You can see a lot of the reasons why he was a highly recruited kid. Part of me kind of wonders the injury that he suffered early on in his career, how much that might have hindered him. And we talked a little bit about how he went through a little bit of a body recomp that might have hurt his power. Not as strong as I think you would love, um, but still a you know, moderately movable guy that I think does find a role in the NFL. There's a lot yeah. of tackles in this class that might hurt where he ends up getting drafted. Sure. But I wouldn't be shocked if Blake Fisher doesn't find a way starting in the NFL in the future. He has starting caliber talent. The thing with Audric is that Audric needs to be bought in to the projection and bought in to what the vision is for a particular NFL team because he, and I don't fault him because offensive tackles make more money, right? So I don't fault him for wanting to prove that he can play offensive tackle, but the best version of of Blake Fisher we saw at Notre Dame was actually the 2022 version when he was about Mm. 325, 330 pounds, where he was a physically dense kid that could displace gaps a little bit and had pretty good overall short area power was able to create power in some tight windows. He, he just, he lost too much weight going into 2023. He got down to like 310 pounds and that compromised his core strength and his explosiveness. Like it just was not the same as it was in 2022, but he has great size, pretty decent feats, somewhat of good flexibility. I think that he has tools to be a starting offensive lineman. I just think that he really needs to buy in to playing inside. I really do, Joe. I don't think his arms yeah. are going to be very long. I, I don't think that he's incredibly flexible enough to be on the offensive tackle at all, all times. I think, though, that he could be a starting guard in the NFL. I truly believe that he has that upside to him. 
But at the end of the day, that's going to be Blake's buy-in or that's not going to be Blake's buy-in. Like he's going to either fight it or he's going to buy into it. If he does buy into it, I think he has that type of upside, but he has to be okay with the vision, man, at the end of the day. Before we close out here, last likely draftable guy, Sam Hartman, the starting quarterback this year. I thought I you were going to say Spencer been Schrader. A... Well, Kicker. Michael Vinson is Michael also Vince, uh, Michael Vinson's a really good log snapper. I don't know if he's NFL good, but he's yeah. Really good well, I don't, I don't know if I don't think he got invited to any events, which is our, which is usually already like a kind of like a tough uphill battle if you don't get invited to the Shrine Game or to the um, to the Senior Bowl. Yeah, but yeah, there's probably a shot that he ends up getting a, a camp invite. I mean, Scott Daly wasn't a highly sought after prospect coming out of Notre Dame, and he's been with the Lions for a really long time after going the alternate league route. So maybe that's kind of the way that things work out for Michael. He's got the frame for it. At the end of the day, he's got the frame yes. for it. You need to be big, have big, long arms. That's what it what it takes to be successful as an NFL long snapper. A quick two minutes, though, here on Sam Hartman. Um, sure. I think that there was a world coming into the year that he could have been – like a day two pick if he finished the season stronger and had like a really good second half of the season, but it just never really came together. And I think that we saw the athletic limitations that a guy like Sam Hartman has. There's still a world where he becomes a decent backup quarterback in the NFL, but I'm not exactly holding my breath. I will say though, I feel more confident in Sam Hartman than I did in Ian book. Oh yeah. Oh, easy. easy. Hey, Ian book was a, was a, tough football player for Notre Dame and did a lot of good things, but he wasn't an NFL talent overdrafted. Like yes. <laughs> he just wasn't an NFL talent. You knew he was a, he was a guy that should have been an alternative league, Joe, like he should have been the XFL USFL, something like that. And he probably would have been pretty successful in that type of environment. But Sam Hartman has more ability to stick in the NFL because I just think he's a little bit more talented of a thrower, a little bit more consistent. It's going to be because ultimately Sam Hartman, at best, in my opinion, is going to be a backup in the NFL. He needs to be the, he needs to take that route and that buy-in, because he does lack big-time tools. He is six foot one, mm. two hundred nine pounds, smaller frame. He has a fine arm, not good, slightly below average arm for the NFL. Okay, player outside of structure, he can move the chains with his legs at times, even though he's not like a great running threat. But he needs to be a guy that is what we saw in Mobile throughout the week of practice. I know he was awful during the game, but during the week of practice, Joe, he was consistent, he was pretty accurate, yeah. and he was kind of dependable, right? And that's what he needs to sell to NFL scouts. I think he's going to go mid to late day three, ultimately, just because he lacks tools and starting upside. But I do think that he could stick as a backup on the next level if he can show that he can be accurate and dependable on a snap-to-snap -snap basis and a game-to-game -game perspective. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in on today's episode, crossover episode of uh, Lucky Underdogs and the first team. If you're tuning in uh, wherever you're catching us or on Bally's Ohio, thank you so much for sitting down with us. And hopefully these Notre Dame players end up having a successful career in the NFL, and we're going to be rooting them on in the 2024 NFL Draft. You can follow me at Joe DeLeo, and you can follow Ryan at Rise and Draft. We'll be back with more. Enjoy the rest of your week.